Hi, this is Leander. And this is Claudia. And this is Left Left Out Librarians. Somebody can't remember the title of the podcast because it's been a while. That's you. Is it me? You couldn't even get into our anchor. I couldn't. I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, where do we record? Anchor. And so here we are. So what are we going to be talking about in season two, episode two? Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Who am I? Where am I here? Why are you here? So to give you a definition of imposter syndrome and a little background, imposter syndrome, also known as imposter phenomenon, fraud syndrome, or the imposter experience, is a concept describing individuals who are marked by an inability to internalize their accomplishments and a persistent fear of being exposed as a fraud. The term coined in 1978 by clinical psychologist Pauline R. Clance and Susan A. Imes. Despite external evidence of their competence, those exhibiting the syndrome remain convinced that they are frauds and do not deserve the success they have achieved. All right, so let's get into it. All right, so why are we talking about imposter syndrome? Why? Yeah. Because we both have experienced it. Right? I mean, yeah. I know. I, I feel... I still do. It's a regular occurrence for me. I need the reassurance. Um, but what, I just... Well, what makes you... First of all, how did you know it was imposter syndrome? I think like in a therapy session. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, by the way, we're still in a pandemic. We're still Disclosure. in a pandemic. We are wearing our masks. Um, we are vaccinated, but we're not telling you to get vaccinated or not telling you to get vaccinated. We just happen to be vaccinated. I'm getting my booster shot tomorrow. So. I think I'm going to get my booster shot sometime. I have to schedule some time off afterwards. But And we both had J&J. I am disclosing that. Yes, we did. And as we're still alive. We're still alive. We My girlfriend calls and te- calls me all the time. She goes, um, how's, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm fine. My booster, my vaccine is not an imposter. Um, <laughs> but I feel like I experience it. It's It's a confidence issue for me. Right. I've always kind of operated in a space where I was in co- compared to older siblings who were amazing at everything. And I've always had to work a little bit harder. Um, Is that what you don't like me? Because you always say, oh, you always remind me of my older sibling. Who's perfect and is everything right. And it's like, I'm amazing. I have bad allergies right now. Anyways, but, it's not about me. It's about you right now. See, and that's what we're talking about. Um, but yes, yeah, so I've always had to kind of work a little bit harder for the good grades. But for me, like that's that established my worth ec- work ethic where it's like, no one, you may be smarter than me. You may be better than me, but no one will outwork me. But at the same time, it's. <laughs> I'm only laughing because I always think you may be smarter than me, but you're not prettier than me. Yes. <laughs> that's me that's also a very <laughs> astute point. I don't, I don't know. And see, that's why I don't think Claudia really battles imposter syndrome. But anyways, that's another that's another thing. No, but I do because I I was looking at this TED talk that I will also share in, on our um, Instagram page. It's uh, one of the things, and this is a TED talk by Elizabeth Cox, 
And what she also brings up is that you have imposter syndrome when you think that your idea, your ideas and your uh, points of thoughts are not valid either in a meeting. And, you know, I've come across that because when I have, sometimes I, I'm very outspoken now, but before I was very like just quiet during meetings Mm -hmm. um, because I really thought, you know, my ideas are dumb, you know, no one's going to listen to them or, you know, I just get um, ignored. So with talking to another colleague and I mentioned these ideas, she would always say, why didn't you say this in the meetings? These are, you know, these are good points. These are good ideas. I'm like, because I didn't know, you know, I never thought that someone would listen to them or I would think that, you know, they'd be shot down, which it's true. I should speak up, you know, well, I mean, now I do, but I should have spoken up even more back then. And that's where I know I have faced imposter syndrome. I think when there are occurrences, um, because again, we are librarians, we are minorities, and I don't know if it's my name or what it is, but when people are always, there's a, there's a look on people's faces, and I've been aware of this at all times where whoever they thought you were did not, was not who was presented before them, right? Before I come into a meeting, before I come into a space, there's a, re- a recognition of, oh, this is Leander. This doesn't match what's in my head. And for anybody who's like, oh, I don't know what that look is. Think about all the people you know during the pandemic who you've seen without their masks. And you're like, oh, that's who that person's yeah. face really looks like. So there's, um, so that's what I would say. <laughs> that's what I would see on people's faces when I enter a room. Um, or they go. Or they think you're a man. Or they think I'm a man. That's fine. Leander's a female as a male name. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a oh, and it's there's a regrouping that happens. And to me, I then I am the nervous as you're regrouping, you are now setting expectations for whatever it is I'm going to present. And for me, it's like, oh, this has to be on point, this has to be perfect, because they are now judging this based on who has entered the room and not the content. Do you always have the, uh, you plan for the worst, expect, what is your thing that you say? Oh, I plan for every outcome possible. That is like what I- Worst case scenario. I'm a worst case scenario person. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to do. Like I'm a doomsdayer, right? And I do that because I see the look on people's faces. Like when I first started in kind of the business librarianship space, um, I would set up these meetings to go talk to people and I'd walk in and they'd be like, oh, hey, because I don't know if they had their idea of what a librarian a business librarian was or what I should look like or whatever it is, you know, and then librarians aren't typically in that space. Definitely black librarians are not typically in that space. I was going to say, maybe they were just happy to see a black female. And they could, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm also beautiful. No, but <laughs> <laughs> that's the, you know, that's Claudia's thing. But um, no, I mean, you are because people thought we were sisters. So if, if you look like me. Then oh, God. Like, see, this is what I have to deal with um, on a regular basis. But, you know, it's it's where do we how do we get past that? Right. Like, how do we get to the point where it's, I know it, I'm prepared, because that's one thing I am always, I am always prepared. 
one of the things in realizing it is knowing what an imposter syndrome is. And once you know what it is, you're like, oh, like you said, how did you, how did you know about it? You know, how did you know that it hit you? And you said in a therapy session. So I don't think if people, some people are not aware of it, so they don't know. And once they become aware of it, they're like, oh, this makes sense. Why but, do I beat myself up? But I also want to preface this, and I'm not a therapist. We are not a therapist organization, but this applies to people who actually put in the work and who actually take the time because if you just happen to get fall into places, you know what you're doing. But if you are putting in the work and you're writing the, taking the extra time to study, you are volunteering to make sure your application stands out above people, you deserve to be there. There are people who trip up and they're just like, oh, I'm just here. If you know you're not one of those people, then you absolutely deserve to be in that room. And I think it's wrapping your head around that and seeing that. Well, race also plays a big part in it as well. Um, for example, like if you and I were to go to one of those Ivy League schools, like, would we be able to fit in? Do you think we would fit in? Would you think that, oh, you know, am I really going to speak out in class when a professor's talking? Am I going to say this or that? Well, I mean, I think... I'll say this. I went to Shamana Julianne Catholic High School. At that time, it was the National School of Excellence. Um, people who I graduated with went to Notre Dame, Princeton, Northwestern. You know, they went to those schools. And it was a white space. You know, there were, you know, they, they toted themselves as being the most diverse Catholic school in comparison to our arch rival, which had two Black students. But we had maybe 30 in each class, you know, and they, our teachers had to read the book. Why are all the black kids sitting at one table in the cafeteria or something? And I remember uh, one of the, cheer cause I was a cheerleader and one of our, our faculty advisors was like, yeah, we're reading this book. And I kind of flippantly said, we all sit at one table. We all sit together in the cafeteria cause we can all fit at one table. And she just kind of looked and laughed and she was like, well, okay. But, you know, and it's just, I think for me, because of how I was raised, my dad is um, white, Is I would consider him white passing. And so you hear he grew up in the 50s and was an adult in the 60s and 70s. So he knows what it's like for people to speak very freely and openly about other people, um, not recognizing who he is. And he had a job who they had to regroup when he got the job and he put the picture of his wife who was brown skin up on his desk. And it was like, what, you know, so they've always been very clear about recognizing who you are and the excellence that that is in itself. Right. So I think for me applying and going to those Ivy league schools, they're no better than us. I went to Winston-Salem state university and it is the best school in North Carolina. It has prepared me. We went to, we are in work with people who have went to elite schools. We're doing the same job. What does that mean? You mean Duke University and UNC? I'm just saying we are working in the same place. Right. Um, and people choose whatever institution they want to choose because they want to choose them. But I remember I had that conversation. And if you've ever watched A Different World, there's a conversation that Whitley Gilbert has has when she's talking to Dwayne Wayne about why they chose to go to Hillman. 
And she says that, you know, her guidance counselor was like, why would you choose that school? And her whole family had went there. Her grandfather went there and he was like, there's never going to be a place that loves you the way that Hillman would love you. And I feel like that about any HBCU, there's never going to be a space that embraces you and teaches you, you deserve to be here if you put in the work. And so for me, speaking up, if we were in an Ivy League's plate, okay, great. Like, I'm still going to be me. And I remember telling my friends who were like, oh, I'm not going to an HBCU because of this. I'm not going to, phenomenal. You're going to be you, but when people say, oh, you're Leander, you are like, yes, this is me. This is me. You know, but it's one of those things where if you're talking about Leander, I'm getting to that point. When you're talking about Leander, I know you're talking about me. And people are like, oh, I know her. Mm -hmm. And so I'm stepping into that phase of like acceptance of, oh, I put in the work. But I still have that twinge of, do I deserve to be here? (laughs) Am I doing everything right? And I have to sit and I have to talk and I'm like, I put in the work. You know, I've written the presentations. I've, I've talked to people. I've sought out wise counsel. And it's just kind of one of those things is if you were battling with this, who are you? Who do you have around you? Like, I think I have a phenomenal group of work friends um, or friends I work with who can say, oh, I see it. Like, you're doing great. Like, there have been times before I had my team where I would sit and I'd be like, I'm scared because <laughs> I'm scared this unit is going to fail and it's going to be all on me. Is that where the imposter syndrome comes Yeah, because it's it's going to be my fault if this doesn't work. Okay. That's, that's, that's a fair point to say oh, i mean i had the same thing i became a location manager i'm like i can't fail i cannot fail i cannot fail and that kept you know going in my head and sometimes i still think about it I'm like i can't fail because i know i won't fail but we have those thoughts that are in our head why Por qué? why do we have those thoughts i don't i i don't i don't think it's the uh the confidence because I'm very confident in my job. I know. God, I do. don't we know that? Because <laughs> I know no, I'm doing. I mean, I think, I mean, for me, I can't speak for you. For me, it has always been as a black woman, and I always try to separate that as a woman of color. I'm a black woman, and I don't ever want it to be. Yes. They don't get a chance because of yeah. this. And I don't, you know, and that's that's not fair. That's not even accurate. But it's just like, oh, goodness, like, I have to be the best of the best, which is an immense amount of pressure because that's the generation my parents came from. Like, you have to be the best. You have to be the best. You have to work 10 times as hard, twice as much to get half of what they get. Because you want to be a good statistic. You don't want to be right. a and I'm like, statistic. You know, sometimes I just want to have fun. I, you know, it's just like, oh, I you, have fun. you know, it's just like, oh, okay, you know, but it's. I've heard stories about you having fun. That was that's a different, for another episode. That's a different time. That's a different time. No, I don't have, if you know, I don't. But anyways, how do we get past it? Acknowledging it, right? And then you know if you and you know the job you know what you're doing you know what you want to accomplish and, and your goals and like you said i think i think sometimes for you you need a bit more of um affirmation like 
You're doing a good job. I do good. need affirmation. I mean, but who doesn't, right? Like, right. We all do. Because we want to be told that we are doing a good job. Even though we don't we don't really expect someone to say it when somebody says, Claudia, you're doing great. It's like, oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, I think like we always say we don't do I don't I don't do anything for the affirmation, but the affirmation and the recognition, not for that. I don't do it for the recognition, but the recognition is nice, you know, because I got an award recently and I was. It tells about your award, Leanne. I was just given a Road Builders Award by Remco, which is the roundtable for ethnic and minority concerns as an example for minority librarians. But I think when I got, I, I didn't really tell anybody when yeah, I found I out. And we all found out through the Instagrams. I'm shy. I don't, I just, I don't know why. I don't know why. It, I think that was the, I, I don't, I didn't, it was the imposter syndrome saying, am I really deserving of this to be uphold, upheld as an example for other librarians, right? So when I got the award, one of my friends was so upset and she was like, I was in Winston-Salem. I would They wouldn't have kicked me out of the convention center. I would have stood in the back and cheered. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was presented, one of the people on the committee was a librarian that I had, I had been, I think, his campus pal when we were at Winston-Salem State University. And we ended up working together when I was at A&T. And I encouraged him to go to library school. And he's a librarian now. And he turns to me, he goes, when I read your letter, uh, not your letters, uh, my letter, some uh, somebody, somebody, my letter recommendations that somebody wrote for me, he was like, I know her. This is Leander. And she, yes, she's doing it. And it, like to hear him say that, even though he's always said I've encouraged him in the profession, I was like, oh, OK. And I was like blushing. See, you just never know who you're going to inspire. Right. And so it's just one of those things where I didn't celebrate in that moment with my tribe because a part of me was like, do I deserve to be here? And I think that's what we all need to get away from, particularly as women of color, is you deserve to be there. You, you've done it, you're mm-hmm. doing it, mm-hmm. and you need to celebrate that. Yay, we deserve to be here. We deserve to be here. And everywhere else, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, what's for you is for you, right? And I've, I've gotten jobs where they were uh, my first librarian job. They had given it to somebody else. And the person did not work out. And I got the job. And it was like, okay, I might not have been your first choice, but I'm your best choice. And that's kind of what it is. What is that saying? If it's meant, no. What's for me is for me. Or the other saying, when it's your time. God has a plan. Or you could be like Thanos, <laughs> where it's you cannot def- deal with your own defeat. And where did that lead you? Back to me. Well, yeah. I, yeah. All villains are super confident in who they are. Okay. I'm just saying. That's a... That's a... I th- I, yeah, but it does. But it is, it, it is kind of a bummer when... You have put that work. You have put that effort. And you get past. Like you said it right now, you get past for something. Right. Else. But that's that's the part of the game, right? Because that's that's life. And then when you interview for it again, you're like, yeah, you should have gone with me in the first place. I yeah. And that's the thing. You're, you're going to. I'm the one you want. 
like that's like I'm I'm Leander, right? And that's kind of what it is. And it may not be what you need at that moment, but I don't ever disappoint. And my husband, whenever I apply for a job, because the last two jobs, two or three jobs I've I've applied for, um, and interviewed for, his statement is, "It's your job to lose." And I used to always look at it like, "What? Like, why can't you just say something encouraging or nice?" He's like, "It's your job to lose." And I, in in his mind, he's like, "Well, no, you know what it is. You know what the job entails. You know how to present yourself." And he was like, "No one can beat you in that." Mm-hmm. So. If you go in there and you don't meet the expectations of yourself. So pretty much he was saying, if you're going to bond this interview, it's on, it's on you. If you don't get it, it's on you. You know, and it's one of those things where it goes back to my dad, where it's, did you do your best? And you have to really sit with that. And there have been times oh, I didn't do my best. I was, I remember I bombed an interview and I was like, and I was like, this will never happen again. <laughs> And you know, and being a hiring manager, you know, like you have to know when you bomb an interview. I I got walked out and I said, well, I didn't get that job. But it was one of those things. I was ill-prepared. I wasn't ready. I wasn't confident. Uh, You said keyword too, though. You were not prepared. I was not prepared. This is why you prepare. And so that's the thing. Like if you're prepared, Mm -hmm. you deserve to be there. All right next segment or is there anything you want to say on imposter syndrome um one thing that when i was reading before um it also why do i feel like an imposter proof of success is dismissed as luck timing or as a result of deceiving others into thinking they are more intelligent and competent than they believe themselves to be reads What are our reads for this one, Leander? So it's time for Left Out Lit, since Claudia wanted to jump right into it. I did. I don't have a read this week. You don't have a read? I don't have a Left Out Lit this week. Okay, that's okay. Because we have the TED Talk that I um, mentioned earlier by Elizabeth Thomas, and that information will will be on our Instagram page. I have a book. It doesn't, it's not necessarily on imposter syndrome, but it does have a chapter on imposter syndrome. And the book is For Brown Girls with Sharp Edges and Tender Hearts and is by Prisca Dorcas Mojica Rodriguez. It's a good read. And that will be on our Instagram page. So we'll have our TED Talk, which is available on YouTube and... Not our TED Talk. Not our TED Talk. Not yet. (laughs) Do you want to do a TED Talk? That's one of my dreams. To be on the TEDx stage. I don't know what I would talk about, but I want to be there. But Left Out Lit will be on our Instagram page. All right. It's Claudia's Corner. And my... Okay. I normally... Thanksgiving's coming up. I don't celebrate Thanksgiving. I hope this episode is out by Thanksgiving. It It better be. But so... What are your top five favorite things to eat on Turkey Day? Hot take. I hate Thanksgiving. Um, okay. It's because the family and family stresses you out. But food, we're talking about food. Food. Okay. So what I like is my brother, he makes oyster stuffing. 
Ooh. It's good. My brother, my older brother can really, really cook. Um, top five. Mm. Canned ocean spray cranberry sauce. I don't care how good you think your homemade real cranberry sauce is. I want mine that looks like it. <laughs> and it comes out <laughs> of a can. Yeah. Okay. I want that. Um, of course, sweet potatoes, yams. Okay. Um, that's three. Mm, collards. Mac and cheese. How many is that? That's five. That's five. Yeah. And a little razzle dazzle, a little roll to. Nope, that's six. That's okay. Five. Definitely mac and cheese. So my mom, we do things differently because we have rice and beans on turkey day and my mom cooks the turkey she marinates it for like a couple of days so i really like her turkey it's like a brine it's like a it's almost kind of like a stew a stew turkey oh. in its own way yeah so she puts beer she lets it sit in the fridge for a couple of days and then She'll cook it, and once it's cooking, she'll add tomato sauce. And after it's almost done, she'll add the frozen vegetables. It is one of the best turkeys ever. It's, it's Salvadorian style mm. turkey. So definitely her turkey. It's in mac and cheese, mashed potatoes. I like mashed potatoes. Sweet potato casserole. Oh. And I'm going to have to throw the rice in there because with the rice and the turkey stew, uh, Gosh, it's so good. But I'm also not a fan of Thanksgiving food. <laughs> like it's just it's just it's just dinner, people. Relax. It's not just dinner, it's good food. Okay. Oh, with family. But okay, we won't get into uh into that part of the side of the story with family. So anyhow, and it's football, right? All day. Right. Or if you don't want to watch football, you can also watch the lovely Idris Elba in his new movie. Which is, it's so good. If you like Westerns, it's really good. It's on Netflix, The Harder They Fall. It's Idris Elba light. It's light on the Idris Elba. He's not in it a lot. But it's really good. Netflix is not paying us for this. You know that. Oh, well, that's okay. It's a good movie. Enjoy your movies. Enjoy football. That's it. All right, we'll see you next time. In, in another couple of months? No, we're we're getting on it. We're getting on it. If Claudia wants this out since we had to talk about Thanksgiving, this will be out by Thanksgiving. So if you're listening to this, happy Thanksgiving. Oh, um, turkey day. And we'll talk to you. We'll talk about Christmas. Bye. Adios. <laughs>